Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And I hear you've had a busy week. Yeah, it definitely feels like baseball season again because yeah. <laughs> it, it's been, I've been working late practically uh, every night this week. So it's it's kind of really wearing on me. Like today's the first day that I've really felt it. And it's not over yet because we've got uh, two high school games that we're working tomorrow aka friday and then uh two more on saturday Jeez. so i will be relaxing as much as possible on sunday and probably <laughs> taking an off day next week just to kind of recharge the batteries I but don't blame you yeah it so it's it's been a it's been a really busy week but uh, you you just had a uh, a pretty exciting interview for your other show dude on open micers earlier tonight we interviewed steven perkins who's the drummer for Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros. He's played with, uh, you know, did some songs on like Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that. He's got a band called Hell Ride that he does with uh, Mike Watt from uh, Firehose. So if you're a fan of 90s music, you need to go listen to uh, Open Micers when it drops on Saturday. I'm really excited to listen to it because I, I saw you guys post about it earlier, in, earlier in the week and I was like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. That's huge. Well, uh, the the booking agent that we have for the show, um, oh, Staff Sergeant Sketches here said still didn't get the notification that I'm streaming. I don't know. That's weird because it should just go straight out to everybody once I go live. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, as soon as uh, the booking agent we have for the show uh, mentions uh, Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction, I was like. Forsake all other guests. I want him. Like, and finally, after a couple of months, we finally landed him on the show. So it was, I, I, I fangirled all over the place when he was on. So <laughs> a, it was a good interview. But that's, that's good, though. You know, we, I know we were talking a little bit before we went live about how, you know, like almost like the nervousness is really a positive when yeah. it comes to interviews because, you know, I, I mean, there's several people that I've interviewed where I was like, like my hands feel clammy yeah. or you know whatever the case may be but usually those turn out to be the best interviews so yeah that that's awesome and I'm, I'm really excited to hear it yeah i was nervous all day like i was just almost to the point where i was like i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to podcast i don't want to podcast anymore i can't do this and then of course start the show and i'm fine but man i i get really nervous before some you know some interviews and that was one of the ones where i was really nervous beforehand yeah, but that that's good though. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy for you guys. That's awesome. That's a, that was a, that's pretty much the biggest uh, biggest interview we've had yet. I mean, we've had some cool interviews. So I mean, we steadily doing this the whole time. You know, we've talked to Corin Nemec, and of course, we've talked to uh, you know Brian O'Halloran. We've talked to you know Maxim Models, and <laughs> yeah. pretty much every end of the spectrum. We've talked to people, but man, Stephen Perkins was. That was that was a huge get for us. 
How many episodes in are you guys now? 45, I think. I think 45, that was episode okay. 45. So we've been almost a year doing it. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> that is crazy. But uh, anything else you'd like to discuss before we go into the news for this evening? I don't think so. I mean, other like I mentioned, other than just being really busy with work, I haven't haven't done too much. Um, next week should be a little lighter. So I, I was originally going to do a, a live show for the Derek Diamond experience this week. But with the, the hecticness of this week, I had to push it back. Yeah. But I, I do still want to do it. I, um, I know how you feel when you talk about being, you know, kind of exhausted. Like, dude, Monday night, I went to sleep Monday evening. I got off work at like four o'clock, came home, ate dinner. And was like, you know, I need to lay down and no, no, actually I I had to go meet some friends that were in town, um, for dinner. And so we went and did that and came back home. I was like, man, I am so tired. I just need to lay down for a bit. And I I laid down at six o'clock. I didn't wake up till seven 30 the next morning. I was late for work because I slept for 13 and a half hours. I don't know that I've ever done that. (laughs) I was like. I woke up and I was just like, am I dead? Like, what happened? That is crazy. I think the the latest I've, the most hours I've slept are maybe like 10 or 11. It was my first like real baseball season is for, like with the Wahoos working like during the day and then working the games as well. When I still lived at home, I uh, I went to bed. And then I woke up and like the sh- the sun was shining like right into my window in my <laughs> face. So I was like, I was like, I'll just lay back down and go back to sleep. And I happened to look at my uh, my clock, and it read one fifteen p.m. And I'm like, oh, I will get up now. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's just been so, like constant on the go for the last couple of weeks, you know, and just. And then get it. I think a lot of it was too was I got my first COVID shot last week, so I think that had a lot to do with it, and it just completely just wiped me out. And I felt fine when I woke up. I was like, man, I haven't felt this refreshed in a while. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but in Florida, uh, they're allowing people ages forty and up to get the vaccine on Monday, and then eighteen and up. Uh, on April fifth, so oh, that's cool. What once that happens, I'm gonna, I, I'm think I'm gonna get it. Yeah, in Mississippi, it's pretty much uh, sixteen. Everybody sixteen and up can get one at this point. So, I was hoping they had the Johnson and Johnson because I just wanted to do the one and done, but they didn't have Which it. Which one did you do? Moderna. Moderna. Okay. And from what I hear, that's the worst one to get as far as the second shot. And the <laughs> the first one put me on my ass like that. I can't wait to see what the second shot's going to do. Good Lord. You should get it the day that we do an episode of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember doing the show, man. <laughs> just, to, just to see. It, it might be the only thing that can top last week's. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I kept showing everybody the, the reveal clip from last week, and everybody's just like, you're so dumb. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. That was like that might be my favorite episode of the show we've ever done. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite episode too uh, that we've ever done so far. I was like, I man, that was that's never gonna happen again. 
Well, because there were times where I couldn't breathe because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I felt so stupid the whole time, too. As soon as we were done, like the minute I hit stop on record, I ran to the bathroom and got the got the clippers. I was like, I got to get this crap off. Yeah. Luckily, it's but coming it was back so in. It's coming back in. Yeah. So. yeah. A few more days, you know, another probably another week and I'll look back to normal. Yeah. Luckily, I grow facial hair pretty fast. Let's see. Staff Sergeant Sketch says, I'm not sure which COVID vaccine I got, but my arm hurt so bad a few hours afterwards. That's another thing. I've... The Moderna, dude, my arm, like, the next day, felt it, it felt like uh, Mike Tyson frogged me in the arm. <laughs> That's how bad it hurt. I couldn't sleep on my left side. If I rolled over on my left side, it would instantly wake me up. It hurt so bad. I've heard very mixed things about the vaccine. I've heard some people have very little effects to it, and then I've heard some that get like almost violently ill yeah. after the second. It's the second shot that gets everybody, Yeah, from what I've heard. And, and bad as my arm hurt after that first one, I'm not looking forward to the second one. That's why I was hoping they had the Johnson & Johnson one. Yeah. Because, yeah, I felt it like all in my like my collarbone, and then for a few days afterwards, like all my joints were sore like like my elbows and stuff like i'd wake up and my arms would just be like oh god it hurts <laughs> uh that'll be fun to look forward to yeah maybe you'll get lucky and get the <laughs> get the pfizer one <laughs> the old p pfizer p pfizer i refuse to say pfizer i say pfizer there are no silent p's yeah. on this show <laughs> no silent p's on the north cave retro that should be our slogan, no silent peas. <laughs> I'm going to make a t-shirt. No silent peas on the Nerd Cave Retro. <laughs> you should do uh, it in the Pfizer font. Yeah, I will. I'll do it, dude. Think I won't? <laughs> no, I know you will. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to go into the news. How about you? Yeah, let's do it. This one got sent to us from uh, our listener, Brandon Rutledge, the other day um, on Facebook uh, from WorldVideoGameHallOfFame.org. The 2021 World Video Game Hall of Fame finalists, the following 12 electronic games are finalists for 2021 induction into the Strong's uh, World Video Game Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. The inductees will be announced at the Strong Museum on Thursday, May 6th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the first one is Animal Crossing uh, that debuted in 2001 for the GameCube, uh, the original Animal Crossing, uh, which I have never played. Did you ever play the original? I did not, but I mean, Animal Crossing has such a huge following that oh, yeah. this doesn't surprise me at all. I, it was extremely popular when it came out. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the first Call of Duty uh, from mm -hmm. Activision in 2003, uh, Farmville, ugh. God, don't get me started on Farmville. <laughs> Why is Farmville in here? Every Hall of Fame class has to have one of those head scratchers. My mom got addicted to Farmville when it first launched, and like she made fake, or she made uh fake, well, like not fake account, but she made like an account for my dad. She made like alternate accounts, and she would actually log into my Facebook. Ask me for my password. So she could log into my Facebook. And do Farmville so she could do all the the stuff for her farm. 
It, it, it was nuts. I had to do an intervention with my mom. Be like, Mom, <laughs> you cannot use my Facebook anymore for this stupid game. Uh, Farmville causing so many family problems. <laughs> Dark times. Uh, uh, FIFA International Soccer. Um, first launched in 1993. Uh, Guitar Hero, which I, I agree with that, for PlayStation yeah. 2, launched in 2005. Uh, Mattel Football. I have this somewhere. Uh, or at least, either me or my brother does. Both of us, we had uh, a bunch of these Mattel football games. We had football and baseball. We had one that looked like a little ba uh, baseball stadium. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember that one, but we had this football game uh, released in 1977. Uh, let's see. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which i surprised isn't already in there. Um, <clears throat> this was released in 1982. Uh, people still love this game. People still talk about Microsoft Flight Simulator. Mm -hmm. uh, Staff Sergeant Ske Sketch says, Much in the way that I blame Survivor for the glut of terrible reality TV, I blame Farmville for making microtransactions as bad as they are. I agree with that. I think that was the beginning of microtransactions was freaking Farmville. Should go back in time and prevent <coughs> the creation of Farmville. Yeah. Go blow That's up. actually a great plot for a short yeah. film. <laughs> Send a Terminator back in time to, to <laughs> blow up the Zynga, uh, <laughs> Zynga offices. <laughs> uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, pole Position, first hitting the arcades in 1982. Uh, Portal, which was released by Valve in 2007. God, I love Portal. Such a good game. Mm -hmm. uh, Starcraft, which first debuted in 1998. From Blizzard, love StarCraft. Tron! Midway's Tron was the first arcade game paired with a Hollywood movie when it entered the arcade in 1982. I remember uh, they had a Tron machine at the uh, the skating rink when I was a kid and loved playing Tron. I'm uh, surprised Tron's not already in there. I know. Uh, it outshone the movie, earning more than $60 million to the film's $33 million in the U.S., that's nuts. That's like crazy. I, I, yeah, I mean, I knew the Tron. Like Tron has a big cult following, but I remember that it it didn't do as great in the theaters. But oh, it's yeah. since garnered a cult following. Yeah, I agree, Staff Sergeant Sketch. That that cabinet is iconic. That Tron yeah. cabinet. I'm waiting for uh, uh, what's their name? They make the the. Mini cabinets. Was it now? Arcade One Up or something? Yeah, like Arcade that? One Up. I'm waiting for them to do a Tron. If they make a Tron one, I was already, uh, you know, uh, ready to get the Star Wars one. But if they put out a Tron one, I may have to just bite the bullet and get a Tron machine. There's a bar uh, downtown here called Play that has an old Tron arcade machine. Anytime I go in, I have to play it. It's so cool. Uh, and the last one is Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, released by Broderbund in 1995. Do you remember the game show, Where uh, in the World is Carmen Sandiego? I do, but I never watched it. I watched it every now and then when I was a kid. Like, it would come on whenever I would get home from school. And I, I remember the theme song being, like, my favorite part of it because it was yeah. really catchy. But the, the game show itself was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this that made me think of it. I watched that uh, that that documentary the other day on Netflix, uh, the block the last blockbuster. Have you watched that yet on Netflix? Not yet. Oh, it's so good. Made me so nostalgic for for the nineties and <laughs> being 
being a kid, going to the to the uh, to the video store, and and just man, those days are they're gone, man, they're gone. What I love to do when I was in college, so Blockbuster and Movie Gallery would both have deals where you could get like uh, like three or five DVDs for like twenty or twenty five bucks. Yeah. So like I, I've got a ton of DVDs at my parents' house that still have the old like Blockbuster and Movie Gallery stickers on yeah, them. Yeah, same here. I got um, I remember when the uh, the Blockbusters and do you remember? Did you guys have Movie Gallery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the movie galleries were closing down too. I bought a ton of DVDs, and uh, I think at the time it was like PS3 games and Xbox 360 games when they uh, yep. movie gallery closed down. Yeah, it was Xbox 360 games. I, I got a bunch of them from uh, the movie galleries that were closing down. Man, such sad days. Right. Uh, but good memories, though. Yeah. All right, this next story comes to us courtesy of I Am The Rampage, or a a Scooter now. Yeah, I Am The Scooter. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This comes to us from Polygon.com. PS3 and PS Vita stores will close for good this summer. A A report published Monday said the PlayStation Store for Sony's PS3, PlayStation Vita, and the PSP will close for good in July and August, making digital copies of games for those platforms unavailable for purchase from then on. The gamer, citing unnamed sources familiar with the material, said the PS3 and PSP stores will close on July 2nd, and the Vita storefront will shut down August 27th. Polygon reached out to Sony reps for additional information, and no reply was made at publication time. Vita and PS3 only games are for now accessible only through the PlayStation Store app on both units. Those platforms are not searchable for the PlayStation Store's website and haven't been available there since a not well liked redesign in October. So I, I've got to say I don't think this is very surprising. Yeah. I mean, it it was bound to happen. I mean, whenever consoles, you know, or whenever companies make new consoles eventually the publishing for the old ones, you know, it happens. I mean, look what happened with the Wii. Yeah. And, you know, like it's vast online store that happened. And I don't know why Nintendo won't do anything. I, that's a whole different I don't subject. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, like I, this, this doesn't really surprise me. I mean, it sucks for those who haven't got a PS4 or a PS5, but it's not surprising. Yeah, another thing that really is said down here at the bottom, too, the closure of the PlayStation Store presents more of an issue for PS Vita users, considering that how many of that platform's notable games were any developed and sold online, and direct backward compatibility with PlayStation 3 from PlayStation 4 and 5 is not available. Um, some PS4 ports uh, of some PS3 games are available, as separate products, and still other PS3 and PS2 games are streamable to modern consoles from the PlayStation Now subscription service. So uh, that seems like a problem for a lot of the indie games that were available uh, for the Vita. Like, is Sony going to do something to to make those compatible with maybe the PS5? I mean, I would hope so for those that you know, our PlayStation owners are on the Vita and want to play those games on a PS5. Yeah, because we're getting to I the mean, point I, where we need to look more into video game preservation. They need to take it more seriously. I mean, I would hope they would do that just because it 
it makes sense to do it. Yeah. To even have the option there, but who knows? Maybe they will. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is from Axeblade07 sent this uh, e- an email. Uh, Lordsofgaming.net, an original Mario Brothers, fetches 75K at Goodwill auction. Someone in the Racine, Wisconsin area may want to update their 2021 tax deductions. A local Goodwill store has auctioned off a donated copy of the original Mario Brothers. The bidding ended Monday at 75000 with 61 bids. A sealed copy of the game in what appears to be a near-immaculate condition has ballooned in value over the past week. Another element influencing the game's price is the Reve denoted on the front of the box. This is to indicate it is the date or printing of the original Mario Brothers. Reve is defined in, by WADA as um, Reve or Revision A was an identifier that Nintendo added to their boxes in January 1988, which was before the Oval SOQ was implemented. That's why you can find Rev A presents on boxes with both round SOQs as well as the oval SOQs, and that's the seal of qualities, uh, if you didn't know what that meant. However, you won't find an oval seal of quality without Rev A since the addition of Rev A happened some 15 months before the switch to ovals. Uh, it signified a change in design to the cartridges from the original five screw to the new three screw design. To denote it, Nintendo decided if it was necessary to change the box as well as the cart label and other pieces contained with the game. So I feel like I say this every time we hear some type of an auction story of a game going for a huge amount of money. Yeah. It's not that I would necessarily spend that much on a game, but I would love to be able to say that I could yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to. Like, I would love to just walk in this auction drop 75k in cash and be like i'll take it and then just grab the game and walk away i know it'll never happen because these days are long gone but i would love to walk into a goodwill and find a sealed copy like this of the original mario brothers just like it'll never happen because you know people think that crap is gold like i'm pretty sure you walk into goodwill now and they'll like sell a copy of yo noid for like try to sell it for like a hundred dollars, you know, like some ridiculous price. Like, no, I'm not paying that for that. But man, though, cause those days are gone of walking into the Goodwill and finding, you know, just, you know, Nintendo games or Atari game, just laying in a bin, you know, those yeah. days are gone, but man, this, this thing looks like the pictures of it. It's, it looks like it's straight off the shelf. Like this thing has right. been locked in a vault for 30 something years. Yeah, props to whoever originally owned this because they kept it in like this is mint condition. Like, I if you know. want an ex- a prime example of what mint condition is, then you look at that box art. And who the hell donated it? That's what I'd like to know too. That's just seventy five thousand free money for you know. Like, if I had this, I, I wouldn't. You know, I just went straight to Wada and, and gone to you know the heritage auctions and be like, what can I get for this? Right? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Props to them, though. If I sold this for 75 grand, I would just take a year off. Like, I just made right? what I make in a year. I'm just taking the year off. Oh, I would do the same thing. <laughs> Quit my job and just, I would professionally podcast. No kidding. What I would do. <laughs> 
But our last story of the week comes to us from NintendoLife.com. A 24-year-old Samurai Showdown prototype has been found under a tree in California. A prototype of SNK's 3D Fighter Samurai Showdown 64 has been discovered underneath a collapsed tree in California. Yes, that is correct. A collapsed tree. Uh And I agree with this. Now, there's a headline we didn't think we'd be writing today. (laughs) The amazing find was made... uh, Pinball machine repair specialist Craig Weiss after he had visited a client to repair a pinball table. That's a very interesting occupation to have. I know. Like, oh, like, oh what do you do? Oh, I fix pinball machines. <laughs> How do you get in that line of work? Exactly. <clears throat> Weiss asked about where the machine had originated and was pointed in the direction of a woman whose husband had owned his own repair business in the 90s. Upon paying the woman a visit, Weiss came upon six pallets of unknown parts underneath a collapsed tree on her property. Auction lots purchased from a former SNK staffer in China, which contained warehouse materials SNK had shipped back following the closure of its North American offices around the turn of the new millennium. The woman stated that she was thinking about having the pallets removed and junked and said Weiss was welcome to sift through for anything worth salvaging. And that's when he made his amazing discovery. Inside one of the pallets, Weiss unearthed the Hyper Neo Geo 64 Samurai Showdown 64 prototype, a pre-production version of the 1997 arcade title. I would mess myself (laughs) if that happened. Like I said, it's almost like every week now we're talking about they're finding these old prototypes and stuff, and never in a million years would I hear, oh, they found this prototype under a collapsed tree. (laughs) They're just literally finding them everywhere at this point. I want to know why they were under a tree. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what would compel you to put like that stuff one outside yeah. <laughs> two, under a tree? I don't get it. I don't know. I would have loved to have seen this guy's reaction when he opened that pallet mm-hmm. and saw this laying there. I would have loved to have seen it because I can only imagine. I wonder. I mean, he's obviously going to try to sell this right i mean oh for sure oh, we haven't heard the last of this story no I, i'm gonna i'm sure I'm sh- like you said i'm sure we haven't seen the last of this so you and i hope they download the rom before they do that you know yeah. before he auctions it off or whatever because this is definitely like we said i talked about earlier game preservation this is something that needs to be preserved because no yep. telling what damage has been done to it you know, being out in the elements like that, just hopefully it can still be salvaged. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about how, like, like the condition of it or anything. So, yeah, I'm not not too sure about that. I mean, I'm sure there has to be, at best, minimal damage to it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was somewhat preserved. I mean, the the story makes it sound like it wasn't, but who knows? I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll find we'll see out I, soon. <laughs> I, I bet within the next month or two, we'll hear an update on this story. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess right now we can go ahead and go into this month of video game history. <laughs> In March of 1989, Capcom released a Strider in arcades. It become one of, became one of the Capcom's early hits. 
praised for its innovative gameplay, diverse and unique music, and multilingual voice samples. I love Strider. I remember it was one of the few games that, um, and I think I did a review on the show here, but one of the few games that I actually beat when I rented it as a kid. Wasn't that a great feeling? Yeah. Whenever you would rent games or like you do repeat rents. Yeah. And then you would finally <laughs> beat it. It's there was very few greater feelings as a, a gamer back then when you would do that. Well, it was a good, I, really good port. Uh, the NES. A lot of people these days say it wasn't a good port, but I, I remember loving that game. You know, it may not be that great when I got older, but that game was a pretty good port of the arcade version. I remember hearing about it. You know when it because it was out on the uh, the Genesis yeah back in the because I, I remember hearing about it but I, I never had the chance to play it so I, I'm hoping that you know one day I'll get the chance to do that but um, it actually it's credited as influencing games like Ninja Gaiden, um, Devil May Cry, and God of War yeah so it it's it's definitely made its mark in the the video game industry. But next up, we have March of 1991, AOL, SSI, TSR, and Stormfront Studios collaborate and launch Neverwinter Nights, which is credited as the first graphical MMORPG. I remember hearing so much about Neverwinter Nights and wanting to play it back then, but I never did. Yeah, I, for as long as I can remember, I was just never big into PC games. I don't know what it was like. I have nothing against them, but I just never. It's an avenue of gaming that I never just got into. Yeah, it was definitely around that time. You know, I got my first real computer in 1993, so it was still pretty fresh. You know, it came out in '91. I got the computer in '93, but I just, I just never, never went down that road. I went more towards the uh, the CD-ROM games of the time. You know, like Seventh Guest, Eleventh Hour, those that type of stuff. Well, it's interesting to point out, too, because you look at how big MMOs are now compared to back then. And, yeah. you know, I never knew what game really initiated that movement. Mm-hmm. And it was Neverwinter Nights. Uh, Staff Sergeant Sketch said he played it on AOL. I have a feeling me and Staff Sergeant Sketch are around the same age. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. Yeah. Let's see. March 25th of 1994. Bethesda releases the Elder Scrolls Arena for MS-DOS. It's the first game in the Elder Scrolls series. I do not remember Elder Scrolls Arena. I don't either. I wasn't introduced to Elder Scrolls until um, Oblivion. Yeah, same here. And, then, and I, one of my favorite gaming memories was going to the midnight release of Skyrim. Yeah. And a bunch of us went, and then we went to a friend's house afterwards, and we played that game all night yeah <laughs> like we we all had our own copies we brought our xboxes a tv we were spread out all throughout the house and we played that game literally until the sun came up yeah i remember playing uh, oblivion for the first time and it was for the xbox 360 i think at the time mm-hmm. wasn't it yeah yep. I, I was just like hey that's captain picard <laughs> <laughs> Yep, Staff Sergeant Sketch hits the big forty this year. I'll be uh, I'll be forty four this year. Ugh. I don't like. I'll be that. I'll be turning the big three five mm. in August, <laughs> and I feel like I'm eighty five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I I never played Arena, 
But I, I do have good memories of the Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. Next up, we have March 21st of 1996. How Labs releases Kirby Superstar for the SNES in Japan. It's considered to be one of the best games in the Kirby franchise. And I, I remember hearing about this game as well when it came out. And it's on the SNES Classic. Hmm. And I've like very briefly dabbled into it. But yeah, it's it's widely regarded as being one of the best games in the Kirby series. You it's should, got like eight games in one. You should review this because uh, I've never yeah. played this. Yeah, and um, yeah, because I think the only games we've reviewed in the Kirby series, I know there's Kirby's Dream Land, and I think we did Kirby's Adventure. I'm not. In, did you review a game in the Kirby series? Yeah, I did the the NES Kirby game. Uh, the first. Yeah, th- I think that's yeah, it's Kirby's Adventure because yeah, I did Dreamland for the for the Game Boy. So yeah, I have to give this a shot. Yeah, because this is one of those games like I would probably play this, but it just never, I don't know, it just doesn't come across my radar very often. Yeah, it's one, honestly, that I forgot was on the SNES Classic (laughs) until I was reading about it, and I was like, oh yeah, that is on there. Let's see, March 20th of 1997, Konami releases Castlevania Symphony of the Night for PlayStation. Um, I've been in a Castlevania mood so much lately, I want to play Symphony of the Night for uh, Halloween Horror Month this year and stream it because this is one of those games. I did play this for um, on the original PlayStation. My uh, my roommate had it at the time. Man, this was such a good game. It's one of the seminal Castlevania games. Like, there's Castlevania 1, and there's Super Castlevania, and then there's, you know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And... I really want to go back and play this game again, like something fierce. I like the the brightness of the graphics mm-hmm. on this game. Like it, it looks a little brighter than you'd expect for a Castlevania game, but yeah, but it it's looks still cool. it's still got that Castlevania feel, you know, like that. that uh, I, I can't describe it. It's it's if you love Castlevania, you know that that Castlevania vibe. Yeah. Uh, to close this out for this month in video game history, on March 22nd of 1999, Roller Coaster Tycoon is released for Microsoft Windows, and that makes me feel ancient. <laughs> I, I remember coaster, when this game came out. I have Roller Coaster Tycoon on my uh, uh, Steam account. Oh, really? I play it occasionally. So those games like Roller Coaster Tycoon and The Sims, I I never got into because I I had to be a little picky with the games that I played because I have a very addictive personality mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to games. So like I knew if I played these games, that's all I would do. Like I would yeah. get nothing done, but I know people who love the roller coaster tycoon games. So. Oh yeah. They're so good. They're so fun. They're just one of those games that you just sit there and play and you're just kind of, you can do other things while you're playing it. And it's so satisfying and relaxing. Yeah. It definitely looks like it. Like I've watched some gameplay of it, and it looks like it'd be a fun game to do. Uh, before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yes, as always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, Tyler Watson, Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, Donner Party of Five, 
Gus and Penny, and our newest patron, Mr. Jason May. Thank you guys so much for your continued contributions. And because you've kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks, which we'll be doing our next one this weekend. We'll be doing an episode of The Muppet Show. I believe we're going to do the Mark Hamill one. Yes. <laughs> and then an episode of Captain N, The Game Master, which we haven't done one of those in a while. So I, I'm really excited for those. And if you want to you know, be a part of our Patreon community, if you want to vote on our commentary tracks, uh, future roundtable shows, every now and then I throw in, hey, what do you guys want me to review? So uh, just always be on the lookout for fun things to vote on. And if you want to be a part of that, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And also, if you're a new patron, be sure to send us your social media info so we can give you a proper shout out. Yes. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch the Muppet Show with you guys. This is going to be so fun. I can't wait. I haven't seen that episode in a long time. So I, I looking watched forward it, to it probably about 10 years ago. Somewhere around there, because I remember I got the Muppets on DVD, and I lost them somewhere on the, along the way. I don't re- know what happened to my Muppet uh, DVD collection. That sucks. I don't know. They, they just disappeared somewhere <laughs> along the way, and that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. But let's talk about Yo Noid. <laughs> Japan as Kamen no Ninja Hanamaru, uh, <laughs> I think I said that right, is a 2D action platform game developed by Now Production and published by Capcom for the Nintendo Entertainment System. The game was first released in Japan on March 16, 1990, and was localized in the United States to promote the Noid, the mascot of Domino's Pizza, in the late 1980s. The game is also released as part of Nintendo's PlayChoice 10 series and featured in the Japanese TV show Game Center CX. Man, (laughs) I played this thing on stream uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's way harder than it needs to be. This game is ridiculous. Like, you don't even get used to, like, how the game plays. uh, You have your first level, and it's a platformer, right? So you get through the first level, and then you have to do this insanely long and convoluted uh, like um, mini game in between stages. And you have this overworld map with all these places that you have to go. So you get to the second place, and you're in an ice level. Already, you're hitting me with an ice level. On level two, I can't. I don't even know how to control the game yet, and you're already throwing an ice level at me. And then I finally get through the ice level, and I have to play another insanely long and convoluted mini game, the same one as before, mind you, not a different one, but the same one. And I don't know how to play it. I don't. There's. It's not intuitive at all. I still couldn't tell you what the hell I was doing. It's. It's uh, a pizza eating contest with another Noid in whatever town you're in. And I don't know what I was doing. I was just picking. There's like 
cards that you pick with numbers on them. And that's the amount of pizzas that you will eat. And you have to eat more pizzas or, you know, make the other Noid run out of cards before you do. I didn't know how to play it. I was just hitting buttons and I somehow won every single time. And I was thinking, that's weird. Why is there a Noid who likes to eat pizza in every town? Like, isn't the Noid supposed to, like, ruin your pizza? Like, what's the point of the Noid here? I don't get it. So I, I get to level two, or actually get to level three. And it's uh, a skateboarding uh, level. I'm like, okay, well, it, we're doing something different now. And I didn't get past the skateboard level because I just got so frustrated that I just, I quit. <laughs> like, I couldn't do anymore. I can't take it. I'm going to be completely honest. I watched some gameplay of this and about, I'd say, 20 or 30 seconds in. I was just like, nope. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Staff so Sergeant you, you Sketch were... says there's a fan-made sequel that came out a number of years ago. Who likes this game enough that you would make a, a fan-made sequel? Why? A troll, that's who. That's who would make a sequel to this game. <laughs> oh, he says, due to a programming error, the pizza numbers that you have and what the other Noid have are supposed to be the other way around. What the hell? What? What the hell? <laughs> Why would you put this game out? It's so broken. <laughs> Trolling can be the only answer. I don't know. Here's... Who, who else would approve this? I don't like, know. Someone, someone had to sit there and be like, okay, this is good. Let's put it out there. Or they just didn't care. I don't, I don't, I don't... know. <laughs> It says, hence the pizza eating contests are way harder than necessary. And they were so long. I mean, a mini game should be 20 to 30 seconds at most. Like in between states, Super Mario Brothers 3, you collect uh, stars or whatever. Uh, you collect stars or coins or, and you go and you do either, you know, you go, uh, yeah, you do you the, have the card game. Yeah, you have a card game. You, you have the the three. You have where to, you try match. to match three. That's yeah. a mini game. This thing went on for like ten minutes, and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm randomly picking cards. Clearly, the concept of the word mini, yeah, <laughs> in mini game was completely lost on them. Like it's like a, the mini game lasted longer than, than the level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. My favorite part of watching the gameplay of this was clicking the close button. Yeah, on on my window. My favorite part of the game was when I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've got to ask you the question that I'm sure all the listeners uh -huh. are curious about right now: Is this worse than Fester's Quest? Honestly, I think I would play Fester's Quest over this. I will never play this game again. And I'm I'm an unabashed Cap Capcom fan. I think Capcom w was one of it still is one of the greatest video game publishers of all time. I mean, some of the greatest franchises, you know, they did Strider, they did Mega Man, 
um, you know, back in the, the 80s, they had Strider, Mega Man. They did all the Disney games, you know, DuckTales. And then in the 90s, of course, you had the Mega Man X series and and Street Fighter 2, you know, all the Street Fighter games, and which are still being played to this day. And then, of course, you have the Resident Evil series. Like, Capcom makes great games. This is a turd stuck to the side of the toilet that won't flush. And you have to get the brush to, like, knock it off the side to go down. <laughs> I mean, every studio has a stinker. This is... No pun intended. Definitely, but... as, as far as Capcom goes, I mean, this is not only one of the worst NES games I've ever played. It's definitely the worst Capcom game I've ever played. And there, there's been a few Capcom games that I didn't like. Like, I don't really like Mouse Capa- Mickey Mouse Capade all that much. Um, I didn't really like Tailspin, but they're not bad games. They're just not really what I like, you know? But right. this is just, it's fundamentally just broken. Like, it's awful. The, it, there's nothing I, I did in, in this game that made me enjoy my time playing it. As I was watching the gameplay, I thought to myself, I don't envy you for having to play this. And then I remembered, oh, crap, I have to play my own bad game uh-huh. for next week. So, yeah, it and I like not even physically playing it, just watching it make like watching it makes you realize how bad of a game it actually is. Okay, it, it, just, it, does, it doesn't look fun at no, all. It's not. There was nothing fun about this game. The the hit detection's awful. Um, your own hitbox is so large that you can't like the the, the very first level. Uh, I don't know if you watched the first level, but I guess it takes place in like Venice, and you're on these like floating platforms that are going up and down, and some of the lower platforms like actually go down below the water. You can barely touch the water and you'll die. Like, what, is the water made of, like, acid or, <laughs> like, some sort of instant killing poison? Like, it's water. It's the Noid's Kryptonite. I guess. Yeah, I I would like to know who approved this game and caused them some type of physical harm. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, you and I are both hardworking individuals. Yeah. Someone sat probably in their office chair somewhere and looked at it. And we're like, yeah, put it out. Who cares? Yeah. And we like, talked that, that's about what it. The most about this. I think we were talking about last week. It feels like a game that, you know, they got the license for the Noid. Or either that or Domino's went to Capcom and said, hey, we want you to make this game for us. And everybody else was working on something different. Like, you know, the Mega Man people were working on Mega Man stuff and like that type of thing. And then there's like, you know, Jeff the intern. (laughs) Like, they're like, hey, we need you to stay over this weekend and make a game about this Noid character. What does he do? He eats pizza, I guess. I don't know. He's the Domino's guy. And then and then he just made a game. Uh, and th- Okay. That's you know, it was it was it was probably given to this intern at like four o'clock on yeah. a Friday. <laughs> and we're like, hey, we want this done 
Monday at noon. <laughs> have this on my desk by 9 a.m. Monday. Uh, it's bad, dude. Like, this is not not lying. Probably one of the worst games I've ever reviewed for this game for this this show. Like, I did not have fun playing this game at all. Would you say it's the worst? Yeah, I'm gonna say it's probably the worst because it, I would honestly play Fester's Quest over this, and that's that's saying a lot. And I've played some bad any. There's a lot of bad NES games out there. A lot of broken NES games. This is one of those games that I, it just astounds me because it is a Capcom game, and you're like, how did Capcom drop the ball so bad? I mean, you would think there would be something somewhat redeemable about this game. Something fun about it, because it's Capcom, for Christ's sake. I mean, they made Little Nemo. You know, good games. This thing is a crap fest. Like, just awful. Yeah, it's... I don't know what else to say other than it, it looks terrible. It sounds terrible. It looks like it plays terrible. Like that to me, there's no like redeeming quality of this game from what I've seen. And I'm trying to read some other stuff about this game. Like um, in the Japanese version, um, many games vary Uh, in the Japanese version. The player whacks penguins in one stage while Yonoid uses a pizza crusher level. I didn't even get that far, as seen on the Avoid the Noid commercials. Um, yeah, the, the in the Japanese version, boss battles in Hanamaru utilize a card-based system, while Yo Noid focuses on pizza-eating contests. Oh, and exclusive to the Yo Noid version, the pack cover of the instruction manual included a $1 Domino's pizza coupon. A whole dollar? <laughs> a whole dollar. All right. Yeah, Staff Sergeant Sketch was there. He said, I watched part of your stream. It was so much worse than I remembered. I only lasted about 10 minutes watching the stream. And I don't blame you. It was awful. I, I, I forced myself to play for like an hour and a half. I was like, I have to put in at least an hour, hour and a half into this so I can at least have something to talk about. I got to level three and I was like, I'm done. I can't literally mentally cannot do any more of this game. It's so bad. You made it at least an hour longer than I would have. <laughs> I wanted to get at least longer than you put into Superman 64. Oh, uh, you wouldn't have had to play, <laughs> had to play like 20 minutes and you would have yeah. you would have asked me. Oh my god, on August 1st, 2007. Yeah, this is what you were talking about, Staff Sergeant Sketch. Yonoi 2 Enter the Void was released digitally as freeware. Uh, originally developed as part of the New Jam City 2017 Game Jam. Uh, game features elements from fifth-generation console platform games. On July 21st, 2018, a Game of the Year edition was released that adds a new remaster mode, which removes the 90s-style video filter, makes the game run at 60 frames per second on high definition. It also unlocks four... Uh, new characters as well as a new pause menu and I will tell you this right now I don't care <laughs> I'm not playing that how much money did they have to fork over to get that game of the year title don't know you yeah. know we should just start calling ourselves podcast of the year yeah but why not 
Yeah. If you, if you can just do that, why not? Yeah. We should put that on our uh, cover art. Podcast of the year. Yes, Staff Sergeant. I lasted an hour and a half for that stream, doing playing this stupid game. You have blown his mind. Yeah. I, 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 this is... Is there a lower score than one <laughs> out of ten? What's the lowest score we've we've ever given a game? Think it. Do we give? I might have given Superman sixty four like a one. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a one, and the only reason I even give it a one is because it was actually made. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like every game has to get at least one because it exists. It gets it gets a one, one for effort. <laughs> yeah, it's like with movies. I always give movies at least one star because they were actually made. Yeah, it was it was made. It's a thing. If you're into it, you can go get it. You can go pick up a copy of this. For you know, this is a pretty common game. So if you're a, a Nintendo completionist. You can probably pick up a copy of this for about six or seven bucks at the retro store, but I can guarantee you, you're never going to play it. It's only there to, to fill out a blank squat. Staff Sergeant Sketch says square root of negative one. Yeah. Blank spot, <laughs> not blank squat. I don't know where I got squat from. Yeah, square root of negative one is what this game gets. You know, something I wish we would have done from the beginning of the show is like put in some type of physical form what we've rated every game. Yeah, we need to have a wiki some sort of an FAQ page on our site that that puts all the ratings we've given the games. That would be very handy to have. Yeah. Cuz now I bet this would be the lowest rated game we've ever done. Yeah. I I need to play something good after this cuz this broke me. <laughs> I almost uh, this game's so bad, it, it almost made me want to just, like, sell my entire NES collection. Be like, I'm done. No, I can't. This game is so bad, it has tainted the Nintendo for me. Yeah, you need to play, like, a like the best game ever. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and replay Star Tropics. Yeah. Just to wash the stink off. Yeah. Ugh, game's so bad. Uh... Well, we're going to continue the fun reviews next week <laughs> when I talk about Pepsi Man. Mm. And I cannot wait. This is going to be this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll have my my full thoughts on <laughs> Pepsi Man, the the game of our generation mm. on next week's show, so be sure to come back for that. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Yeah, so you get uh, to suffer as I have. I get to fall on the sword. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it for this week. Anything you want to throw out there before we leave this evening? Uh, no, just as always, check out the Derek Diamond experience. Uh, since I didn't get to do a live show this week, I re-released uh, one of my personal favorite interviews that I did back in 2016 with Laura Hall, who was one of the musicians from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Huh? And funny enough, that show is still going, and she's still part of it. Uh, when it moved to... To CW and Aisha Tyler took over for Drew Carey, so uh, she's still going strong. They're, I think, currently doing a new season of it. So it was fun to go back and listen to that one because that, like, Whose Line is one of my all-time favorite shows. Oh, yeah. It's in the it's in the top two uh, as far as my favorite shows of all time. So that was a fun interview to do and go back to go back to listen to. So you can check that out on uh, all podcasting apps as well as YouTube. 
And uh, next week, I'll either be back to the normal format of doing an interview and a news bit, or um, I might do a live show, or it might be the week after. So just stay tuned to social media at D Diamond Podcast to find out exactly what I'm doing. Fantastic. And uh, like we talked about earlier, go check out the Open Micers podcast. Um, or we the, the show coming out this Saturday, we talked to Mr. Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, Hellride. Go check it out. That's such a cool interview. And it's on going to be on YouTube, too. So uh, if you like to watch our show on YouTube, it's on the same uh, my same channel. Uh, I have two different playlists. I have an Open Micers playlist and a Nerd Cave Retro playlist. So go hit that like and subscribe button. It's your boy. It's your boy, Jason. Go hit that like and subscribe button. Absolutely. Uh, I'm ready to get out of here. How about you? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jpunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. You can get our merch now. T-shirts, stickers, masks, bags, pillows, whatever you need. Wall throws. Go over to ncrmerch.com and get whatever you need over there. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And, of course, we're at Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you keep us above that $50 level every month, we continue to do the commentary tracks that you love so much and we love to do. But if you can't do that, can't throw us a couple bucks a month, go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please, tell them what it's all about. Wow. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Uh.